0: Oh, Amen. Excellent. So, da, good morning, everyone. Uh, yes, and my name is Alan. Um, so I am married to the lovely Rachel and help lead uh, the church plant team here. So over the last four weeks, we have been journeying through James. And if I'm honest, it's felt like as though we've gone at quite a pace at times, flying through big chunks of text. Um Because James is packed full of wisdom, application, and a really high bar challenge. And we started in James 1 with growth and discipleship. James 2, faith leads to action, a particularly good talk, I must say. I did that one. James 3, controlling the tongue. And James 4, uh, last week on obeying. And today, I'm going to tackle James 5 with the title, Patience and endurance. But first, I'm going to give a little bit of context into James 5 by um, taking a leaf out of John Sadler's book last week and actually going into the previous book and James 4. Because you see, originally the books of the Bible, um, especially these um, letters at the end, were originally written um to be read and to be understood as a flowing text. So you know how now we have these like chapters and verses that split it up quite nicely so that we can you know go into different areas without having to go through the whole text. Originally, they weren't written like that. So when we read the Bible, it's really important for us to read around that a little bit to get a bit more context. Because where now we have a nice, here's chapter 5, actually when James was writing it, he probably didn't think, you know what, I'm going to put a pause in here because they're going to have to wait a week in church before they, you know, go on to this next bit. So I'll just kind of put a nice big five in here um, to split it conveniently for them so that um, Lighthouse Church knows how to split up into a five-week series. Um, But it would have been read as a whole way through. So, in the previous, at the end of chapter 4, John shared on this last week. He came up with the title of, Your Life is a Wisp of Fog. The idea that for all we do on this earth, it will eventually be history, likely forgotten. It's really interesting. Before, as I was um, reading through my talk, I was listening to Dylan and Anne chatting about um, creating family trees. It's amazing how Anne was talking about how it's been quite difficult to find a family tree and the real information going back. And I'm sure anyone that has done that or have heard of people doing family tree. How it can be really challenging once you get two or three or four generations back to find that information. Well, it just shows this idea of life sometimes seeming like a wisp of fog. And as we enter into James 5, he carries on in this same vein to speak directly to people that think money and possessions will satisfy their every need. So turn with me to James 5, verse 1 to 6 to start off with. So this is page 737 in the uh, Church Bibles. I finally remember to have, look it up. You probably just saw me scrambling to do it then. But there we go. So... James 5, verse 1 to 6 says, Look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. Continue down a little bit to verse 5, which says, You have spent your years... On earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. So, James, following on from all that he has said throughout his writings about faith and action, is setting it all to this backdrop of eternity. He is saying, why are you focusing on hoarding things of this world as you are just but a wisp of fog? He is abhorring the desire for earthly wealth and satisfaction, especially that which costs others their freedom. This idea of all that he has spoken about. If you think if this was read as one whole text, all that he has gone through with faith, In action, controlling your tongue, growth and discipleship is all leading to this idea of, you know what, in the context of eternity, what does it matter about our own selfish desires? Doesn't it sound so familiar? Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where your treasure is there your heart will also be as in Matthew 6 now this is to not say that poverty is our aim of course not proverbs 10:4 says lazy hands make for poverty but diligent hands bring wealth and james would support this his major manifesto through this book focuses on action the doing The once we are right with God that changes everything in our being, that means that we are called into action, called into doing. And Paul, in all of his writings through much of the New Testament, would also agree where he wrote in Colossians 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. But what James is saying goes back as a thread through this whole book. Faith, the heart reason, the deep longing of why we do this action, why we feel called into doing this action, the reason we pursue growth in discipleship to become more like Jesus, forever changing. It is this faith that calls us into action. But it's not always easy. In fact, more often than not, it really is quite difficult. See, James speaks into this. He goes on, uh, so chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 says, Be patient then, dear brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring grains. You too, be patient and stand because the Lord is coming near. Sometimes we want things to happen quicker. We can lose momentum, become disillusioned, and maybe even lose interest in seeing the initial result we wanted. Have we ever been there before? We've started something, it tends to be DIY, doesn't it? Let's face it. We start something and we kind of think, yeah, come on, I just want to get this done quicker. You begin to lose momentum, become a bit disillusioned by the whole process, and then think, oh, you know what? I don't even know if I want to see that cupboard built now. And I know this feeling all too well, not in my DIY. um, But when we first moved to Anglesey in November 2017, I was finishing up my PhD. And I was starting to look for work. And we made the decision to trust and follow God for our location. We believe that God's call on our family, over our finances, on all who we are, rested on, you know what, we are being called to plant church in Anglesey. At the time, I had no job. We had no way of doing a finance, and we just bought um, a house with a particularly large mortgage. And you know what, we came and we thought, but it's all right, because God will provide at the right time. And in January, I was in that January following, so three months later, uh, just as I was about to hand in my PhD, I was offered the perfect job in Bangor. The sort of job that never comes up by location. So all of my peers through my PhD were all kind of looking globally for work. They didn't, you know, it was a real struggle. There's not many jobs out there post-PhD to stay in academia. But this job came up, and it was perfect. And I was offered the job, which is like, wow, this is this is unheard of. And then I got a phone call a week later to say, oh, uh, Alan, um really want you to have that job, but the job's going to move to Lancaster uh, due to funding issues. Is that all right? You've got your young family, you can move, can't you? Because that's the expectation, is in academia, right, you move. Um, yeah, it was quite a blow, because I thought, well, this is a w- like once-in-a-decade opportunity, this sort of job will come up. Um, So I I turned down the job. We'd just moved to Anglesey. We were committed to being here. Uh, Decided to trust for something else. Lots of rejection followed. I applied for so many jobs. um, It's unbelievable. I even went for one job where um, I just kind of thought, oh, it's all right, I'll be able to blag the Welsh language stuff. Uh, The first question was difficult. (laughs) But we pushed... um, pushed me to a point where I started actually a really daft sales job, like just a commission-based sales job, just in desperation to try and get some money, some work. But it didn't really happen. And I soon as I had to leave that job because it was um, demoralizing and actually costing me money, strangely. Um, but now to put this all into context, I am passionate about good financial management. So that is why we keep strong links with places like Christians Against Poverty CAP. That's why I um, try and run CAP money courses, because I am passionate about people um, not being controlled by their financial situation, but being able to control it so that it can be a blessing and they can serve from it. And this is very much how me and Rach have lived our married life. So it's our 10 year wedding anniversary coming up. And in that time, um, as we were students, we bought our first house. So while we were stu- students, can you imagine going into that first mortgage meeting, sitting down with the mortgage advisor and sort of saying, like, what's your income? Well, I've got a four-hour job at Burton's that earns me £100 a month. And he's kind of saying, well, how are you going to pay this mortgage? But I had a whole plan set out. We managed to get the finance. Um, we, our first house, we renovated, and it added 60% uh, to the value. Um, We paid off our mortgage within five years while we were in Loughborough. Um, I've completed a year-long business adventure called the One Pound Challenge that saw me turn one pound into a little over £20,000 in a year, which um, in some small kind of postgraduate circles, um, I, like, this isn't to big myself up here, but I became a little bit of a minor celebrity. I would meet people and they would go, Oh, you are you that guy that with the pound? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, I had developed a paid public speaking um, uh, profile. So I would travel around much of the country um, and be paid some good money to speak to students. I appeared on BBC Radio 4 Saturday Live show. I'd completed my PhD without much of a hiccup. All of these things had gone my way. I had worked hard and succeeded. But now, when I moved to Anglesey, I was really stepping out to put my faith into action. Suddenly, I was unemployed. I had a very young family. Caleb was, um, well, three, four months old. I had a mortgage that was intimately tied to my in-laws, because as you know, um, me and Rachel and John and Karen have bought a property together. Um, so if we defaulted on our half of the mortgage, I am making my in-laws default on their mortgage. Try and work out that conversation. We had all but one month of money left before some real serious problems were going to begin. This went on for about six or seven months, where each month I would be rejected again. Now, when you put in this into context that I have never felt this before, we were at a point where I was having to have conversations with John and Karen around, well, what can we do if I don't get a job soon? We were starting to consider that Rach felt really called into taking the lead on leading church and spending uh, lots of time with Caleb And we were having conversations around, well, Rach, you're going to have to go back to work. You just have to. There's no other choice. Which for me um, was difficult. I'd always provided. At the time, people kept speaking over me, persevere, persevere. It will come through at the 11th hour. Don't worry which is very kind of them all. Some of you are sat in this room, Marie. And it's, it's all good, and it was lovely, and it is there to give encouragement. But you know what, at the time it felt really difficult because I'm like, well, I feel as though the 11th hour has been and gone here. Come on. And then probably at 11.34, I would say it was, I eventually was offered a short-term contract um, it was pretty poorly paid, and it was not in my area of my research um, at all, but it was something, and it was six months where I thought, well, we can just about afford this, so I'll go with it, and then with two months to go and doom impending again on that contract, I was offered a contract extension, which added another 12 months, so it was a maternity cover to keep uh, me at, my at the work in Bangor. Um, and this was a bit more in my research expertise, a bit more in my interest. It was paid better, and but it still had a timer. It still had this 12 months. But as of January this year, so 18 months later, um, I'm now in a near enough permanent job. At the same employer where I started all this, it's a job right within my interests and skills. It is paid reasonably well. It has lots of opportunities for training and development. It is a job so much more perfect than the one that moved to Lancaster. It is unbelievable. See, patience and endurance. It was a really difficult time. It was, I would hate to ever go back to that point again. And throughout it, it has still been really challenging But you know what? God has really been speaking to me, something deep, where I have always had success my whole life. Things have always gone for me. But in me stepping out and putting my faith into action, moving here, it put me into that place that I was so uncomfortable. But through patience and endurance, I believe that God has come through in a way that is just, it blows my mind. See, faith in action can be hard, but we have to make a choice for our hearts to align, to become more like Jesus, to endure and to wait. James in chapter five uses the analogy of the farmer waiting for his crops and rain to do the gradual work. See, the farmer will plant and tend and then watch will watch in eager anticipation for the crop to ripen for harvest. As you've seen on the, behind me, there was um, a video of a bean growing. And with that, did you notice at first the bean grew down, that it rooted deep into the soil? And then eventually it begins to grow up into leaf and it spreads out and more leaves are added so there is more surface area for photosynthesis and to take in that. But first of all, it's got to go down. It has the root in the soil because that is where the goodness comes from. That's where the nutrients come from. And it's not right until the end that the bean finally forms and ripens for harvest. We are called to be planted, to tend, and to wait. There is a step in the planting. There is some hard work and graft in the tending. But we are also called to wait, in patient endurance. At times, God will come through quicker. At times, it will be the 11th hour. At times, it might feel as though it never comes through all. But with patient endurance, the bean will ripen and harvest will come. The work of faith in action is difficult. James 5, verse 10 to 11 goes on to liken it to the prophets, such as Job, um, who suffered greatly but did not waver. They trusted, endured and were patient. Here James is taking people back to the heroes of their faith, the people that they aspire to become, to say, look at these guys. Look at their story. There is nothing new under the sun here. The stuff you are going through, other people have gone through. Just be patient and endure. And you know what? That's actually where I'm pretty much going to stop today. In mid-flow. But... I want to leave room for us to be patient and endure now. I know I've not covered all of James 5. Next week, um, those that are still around, not the weekend away, are going to have a time of prayer and of worship and communion. And you will get to reflect more on the end of James 5 where he um, uh, speaks on prayer. But for now, I just want to give us some space to respond. Respond to the manifesto of James, this faith in action in the context of eternity. To recognize for all of our striving, it will get us nowhere without continually pursuing lifelong discipleship to Jesus. And that's it. We must have a steadfast patience and endurance. Things will not always go our way all the time. But how will we put in the hard yards of planting and tending our crops so that we might watch in eager anticipation for harvest? Even if this is not on earth, but on into eternity. So how else to respond but to wait now in prayer? Remember, first of all, we do not hype up the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes down upon us. So that is what we are going to do, is we are going to wait for the Spirit of God to come and meet with us, to come and speak to us this morning. I'll begin by praying a really simple prayer of come God now. And then we're just going to wait. At first, in silence, this might seem a little bit strange, a little bit awkward. Trust me, this is going to be stranger for me because I'm stood in front of you all in silence. So don't worry. But we're going to just wait. And all I ask of you is that you open your mind to hear from God. You might want to say a really simple thing in your own mind of God, here I am now patiently waiting for you to meet with me. God, I am here now, patiently waiting for you to meet with me. And then we're going to do that. We're going to wait. After a short while, I'm going to put a video on in the background, um, something that I feel has something special on it for situations like this, what some people might uh, call anointed. Um, But just keep going. Endure in the waiting Don't panic if you don't feel anything, Um, even if you don't feel anything at all. um, I likely, stood up here, will not be feeling anything either. So if you don't get that kind of tickly feeling, don't worry. If you don't feel as though, oh, I'm not hearing anything, oh, come on, God, that's okay. Just wait patiently. Maybe actually today all you need is just a minute of peace. Just a minute where you just let your mind settle and you say, God, I am here now, patiently waiting for you to meet with me. So you ready? Yeah? Remove any distraction, phones, keys, whatever it is that might be um, a temptation for you to just jangle or play with. And I will pray and then we will just wait. So, yeah, Lord Jesus, as we journey through James and he sets it to eternity, God, we come before you now. And we wait. Come, God, now and meet with us, I pray.